Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Welcome to Investing Made Simple, the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you, viewers, live viewers, and listeners can get started today. I am Dan Krieger, your host, your shepherd, your guide. And uh, we got this guy, Anthony. I don't want to contribute to the setup troubleshooting process. I'm going to sit out in the kitchen and eat chips, casino. To be very clear, there were no chips consumed. I know. I there were zero chips. chips. You were the consumer of chips. They were delicious. I, I don't regret it. I love that you are the host, the shepherd, the chaperone, perhaps. The guardian. The um, That's a little, that's pushing it. But uh, that was a really good intro. I appreciate that. And for the listeners at home that do not know, we are streaming live to Facebook right now. And in the coming weeks, actually, what we're going to start doing is live streaming to Facebook and YouTube simultaneously That's so that you lot. can see behind the scenes uh, before recording. I don't know if there's you any might not value like in that. Seen. Yeah, you might, you might be like, that is not great, guys. This might be a quick little test that never happens again. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I think you're good. But if you good. like it, if, you, if you're psyched about it, go to Facebook, go to YouTube and watch the live viewings and then leave a comment. That'd be really cool. So. Anyways, what are we talking about, Dan, today? We're talking about interest rates, interest rates, interest rates. So I am so yeah. not interested. You're not really selling. You're not selling it at all. I'll tell you who is interested. <laughs> a lot of our investors who call and ask about how this uh, rising interest rate thing that's all over the news is going to impact the uh, investment thesis for real estate. Um, because everybody knows that uh, real estate utilizes, uh, most of the time, utilizes some debt, if not a decent amount of debt in the transaction. And when we see interest rates rising, that tends to make people think that we're going to see some sort of you know, crash in the market. And uh, typically, I think this is stemming from the fact that a lot of people see this happen in the single family home market. They'll see rates go down and home prices shoot up. And then something uh, similar to the inverse happens when rates go up. We start to see a, a, a strong pullback in demand uh, for, for houses when interest rates go up. Um, so we're going to dive into what the impact is, if any, on multifamily real estate, and maybe talk about some of the differences between single-family market and the multifamily market with respect to the interest rate discussion. Yeah, with the interest rates, what's interesting is uh, when interest rates go up, we can afford to pay less for buildings, right? Generally speaking, yeah, that's a th- that's a thesis because your cost of capital goes up, mm-hmm. and you're getting the same amount of cash flow from the building. So if the amount of money or the, the cost of the money needed to get the building goes up, you're going to have to pay a little bit less to have the returns end up being the same. Mm-hmm. So as a, as, as a result of that, then let's assume I can pay less for a building. I'm going to come in. That would assume, let's say supply and demand have found like this uh, magical equilibrium, then sellers probably have to start bringing their prices down to meet me where I can afford to buy things. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of the crux of it is if you want to find out what the interest rate impact is going to be on the performance of an investment, 
you really have to only change that one variable and everything else has to stay exactly the same. That's really the only way to uncover what the impact is. Uh, but in, re in the real world, there's a bunch of stuff changing at the same time. But in order to kind of illustrate the concept, it's best to just assume everything else stays exactly the same. The only thing that changes is the interest rate goes up, let's say 50 basis points or 75 basis points or a full point. Um, I mean, with the Fed talking about making, what is it, four to six 25 basis point hikes throughout the next, uh, throughout the year. Um, theoretically, if they actually do all those things, that's, that's a good amount of uh, change from where we're at now. So if all things are equal, then theoretically, the price point for buildings should come down due to the cost of capital going up. So mm -hmm. if you are a seller, that's not great news for you. If you're a holder, that's not great, great news for you. And if you're a, a buyer out there shopping, that might be good news. Yeah. And, well, one of the interesting things about that then, right, is in a perfect world, if we were in this um, chamber where we could control for all variables and just tweak one at a time, then that's what would happen. But we're in a really peculiar time right now where there's two things at play that kind of skew this a bit, which is uh, so much liquidity in the market. There's so much money looking for a home out there. So when you look at the supply demand side of things, like there's a, there's a lot of demand for still a fixed amount of uh, supply. And then secondarily is inflation, right? And so people with that capital, because there is so much out there, it's devalued in a way. And inflation, if we're in this inflationary environment, which some people would think that would say that we are, then your dollar becomes worth less and less and less over time. So you're even more incentivized, even if you can't go out there and get the same yield as you would previously when the interest rates were lower, you can kind of justify and say, well, I'll pay that extra bit. I'll pay that higher um, multiple because I got to do something with all this money I'm sitting on, right? Kind of. I mean, if the intended outcome actually happens from rising interest rates, what's going to happen is there's going to be less money available because banks aren't going to lend as much. Um, so there should be less capital out there and we should see inflation start to decrease because there's a couple things you could do to stop inflation. You can stop printing money or you can raise rates. Raising rates is the much more acceptable way of doing it. So in theory, um, you know, if all things literally stayed the same and interest rates just went up, yes, that's how things would play out. But the idea behind raising the rates is to avoid the outcomes that you mentioned, which is inflation and excessive capital in the markets. So. I think really the big thing for me when I get asked this question by uh, investors is that we've got this huge fundamental tailwind, which is a, uh, you know, a, a force pushing from behind that's helping things. Uh, you might hear me say tailwind and headwind in this, and a tailwind is something that's helping the thesis uh, for investing in this asset class, and a, a, a headwind is something that's, that's um, resistance, it's speed bumps, it's, it's trouble ahead. So there's this huge fundamental tailwind to this asset class right now, and that is the massive supply-demand imbalance between available units that, that people are demanding to live in and what's actually available. That's really the big thing that's, in my opinion, is counteracting the, the potential headwind of rising rates is there's so much demand uh, in the rental market. Not, I'm not talking about the demand of, of buyers and sellers who are investors, but I'm talking about the actual renters that need a place to live. There's a huge shortfall in housing units, and this has been all over the news. We got behind uh, over a decade ago, and we have not been able to catch up. And then the production of units turned off almost completely for a good part of a year back in 2020. So there's a huge shortfall, which I think is one of the biggest uh, factors in how well an asset is going to perform. If there's excessive demand relative to the supply, that's a major tailwind. That's a major boost and a major 
uh, rising tide that's going to help this asset class. And it's been going great in a low interest rate environment. And I'd imagine that a rising rate interest uh, rate environment would uh, bring down some of the rapid price appreciation, but it's not going to take it from five, seven, ten percent a year appreciation down to negative five, seven, ten percent a year. I think it's going to go down a little bit to something more moderate. Mm. That's that's how I see things playing out personally. I, I think of it like if we were living on a, de a desert island, we've been stranded. Our plane went down, and there's like I don't know, a hundred of us on an island, and there's a, the only food source is coconuts. And in a normal environment, like there's enough coconuts to go around and we're, we're all doing well. And we find this uh, equilibrium where price matches the supply and the demand, right? But now if a tsunami comes in and it wipes out half the island's coconut trees, we only have half as many coconuts to go around, right? So the cost of the coconut goes up and it might be overpriced relative to what it used to be, but there's still a hundred people that need coconuts. Exactly. And so people are going to be willing to pay for the coconuts. Whatever you ask them at a certain point, because it is such a fundamental need, people will pay whatever it takes to get the thing until things get so out of control that, you know, people start killing each other for coconuts. It's the same thing when it comes to housing, right? Like it's a fundamental need. People need a place to live. And we have such a shortage across the country of supply that really inflation and interest rates and liquidity, like all these things can come together and it doesn't, none of it solves the underlying issue, which is that there's just not enough housing. So it's a good thing to be a coconut owner when the tsunami comes in and wipes out all the coconuts. Not such a good thing to be a person needing coconuts at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then the other angle is the single family home market. I noticed, or I think what I gather from talking to people is they see the, the price sensitivity in single family homes relative to interest rates and assume that it's going to be as um, responsive in the multifamily world. Uh, but from what I can tell, I don't really have a great answer for this, but from what I can tell, there's a lot more emotion involved in single family homes and a lot more sensitivity to interest rates from that respect. Whereas in the multifamily world, a lot of time you're dealing with sophisticated investors who are buying and selling these properties. And uh, they do a lot more math to make these decisions versus a single family home buyer who's basically just seeing interest rates going up, hearing that that's bad and um, being reluctant to get into a deal because uh, or into a house because a, a rising interest rate when it's your uh, your residence uh, could make a decent amount of a difference. But um, well, there's a frustration there for, I think, a lot of people on the single family side, which, you know, we've we've seen as we kind of like start dabbling our toes and looking out there at maybe like buying a house ourselves or like moving from one house to another house. The issue is a lot of people have more in savings than they've ever had after the last two years, right? We've seen those in the numbers. And so people are like, well, I could afford to go buy a bigger house now, but the house that they could used to have gone out and gotten, they no longer can afford because of inflation. Everything has gone so wonky that now they're like, well, shoot, I can't, I have all this money, but I can't go and buy the next level, next, next level up in terms of housing. So it's just really interesting conundrum. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch, but, you know, bottom line is that I don't, yeah, get a renter, <laughs> call us, got some availability. Um, bottom line is I don't see the interest rate thing being the the nail in the coffin for real estate. I think a lot of people have the perception that that might be it because of how much the media is really hyping up this thing. I mean, it is important, but it's not going to wreak havoc on the market. If anything, I think it's going to keep things from getting too frothy. So let's, let's also be clear too. We're at historic low time. Like, so, I mean, r interest rates going up, it's like, 
bummer. Yeah. <laughs> like we're at, we've been sitting like sub 3% and historic sub lows. Like, we're going from historic lows to historic, slightly less lows. Less lows. Yeah. So it's, things are still not uh, out of control until we start peaking above like six, seven, eight percent I'm going to be like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've talked to more than a handful of some old guys who've been in the industry for, you know, 30 plus years and anything for these guys, they, they started in the eighties and anything single digit is amazing. Yeah. Like they were making deals work with 15% interest. So the fact that we're complaining about things going from 3% up to 3.5 or maybe 3.75 is relatively speaking, uh, kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So. All right. So that's today's episode. That is interest rates. How interesting. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting. And I think our viewers will too. So I think, I think there's some, I think there's some value in that for sure. For sure. Um, so if you got some value out of this, go share it with some friends, go share it with a enemy, a friend of me. I don't care. Uh, share it with somebody, go leave a review and we'll see you in the next, the next episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.